Good evening. Welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, August 21st. Let me go ahead and introduce my uh, partners in crime here. Enos is on vacation, so he, um, Enos, enjoy yeah. your vacation. Hope you're listening in, buddy. I got Tommy over here yes, on indeed. my left, partner in crime, and working our boards back there is Madman. Hola. Uh, I am Randy, your host with the toast. You brought toast? Uh Oh, yes. Um, I like mine with peanut butter. I, I guess you didn't get the memo. We're, we're changing format next week. We're going to be a, a morning breakfast show. Morning uh, breakfast uh, okay, show. Okay. So. I'm not getting up early. And then, Yeah, neither am I. Right. And so, yeah, also going to be a whole new format. Going to be moving to morning's breakfast. Going to be a name change. It's now going to be called uh, Thought Bubbles with Randy and Donna. Oh, uh, I need to advise you about a slight um, staff change, Tommy. Uh, okay. okay. I'm getting fired again? <laughs> again? I haven't been fired for a while. No, you haven't. Um, so although, probably tonight's the night. Yeah, tonight will be the night. I, I, absolutely, especially if you bring that uh, news item up. Oh, that news item is being no. bought. It's <laughs> being bought, son. Uh, in fact, I have worked it out with Madman. And when I do this, and, uh, and the first utterance of the word out of your mouth that even starts with a W, I point and your mic goes dead. Hey, sorry. So, uh, look, see, he's already tested it out. How awesome is that? Well trained. So let's go ahead and start getting to it. Well, actually, how was everyone's weekend? Oh, it was pretty good. Pretty good. I had a yesterday was we got pounded by some rain. Right. So some power lines down in the neighborhood and everything. I gotta say they were. I was pretty impressed with how quickly everything got cleaned up, though. We uh, you're gonna love this. So we actually in our neighborhood we actually are on power two that's still on the poles. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are a I think a tier one mm-hmm. um, or said they whatever you want to call it, which means if our power goes down, it has to be back up within an hour. Um, and ironically, all because there's a sawmill down the road. Oh, wow. Not a hospital or an orphanage or anything like that. You know, a, a sawmill. See, it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> it wasn't a big deal to us. Our power went down, but we have a backup generator. Right. So we were fine. But when I worked downtown, I was on the same grid as, as the hospital. Right. So we were never down and, for more and, than and an hour exactly, either. Right, I exactly. mean, probably even less. As soon as they could get us back up, we were back up. So that was really nice. Yeah. So whenever we lose power, my, my, I know it's going to be back up within an hour. Yeah. How awesome is that? Um, so Friday was my wife's and I uh, wedding anniversary, so we can wait for the weekend. So oh, I've actually been. I was Congratulations! Gone. How many years is it now? Twenty-four. Wow. Um, and you asked me that. I, I know you were quizzing to see if I could actually remember it, and I do know. No, I was just curious. Um, I mean, you guys have been together as long as I've known you. And I've known you what ten years? Yes. But we actually went to a place called Peaks of Otter here in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, very nice mountain resort. Spent four days out there. And pretty nice. Um, so. Let's get to the news. Let's go ahead and get the big bomb. Um, yep. The elephant yeah. in the room. Okay. Um, Sony and Marvel have killed their deal that allows them to use Spider-Man in the MCU. And I would assume that also means that they can't use any of the Marvel characters in the Spider-Man movies now either. That would make sense. I mean, this kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. I'm sure it probably didn't, but well, you know, it felt like it did, at least to us. Well, here's what's funny is um, it's because... I guess Disney and Marvel wanted to renegotiate the financial deal of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disney supposedly, and, and I'm getting this from deadlines, so take it for what you know what you will. Um, they wanted like a 50-50 split. That's on, what I've heard Spider-Man too. Movies, which That's is okay. I kind of get that. Um, but Sony was fine with the current arrangement, which of course it was because the current arrangement was Marvel Studios only got 5%. <laughs> well, my understanding is they retained merchandising rights. Right. And my understanding is that Disney was going to take on more of the production cost with that increase to the 50-50 split too. So it wasn't like they were just going to be getting a 50-50 split and putting all the expenses on Sony. Exactly. So they were going to be getting you know a, a bigger split, but they were going to be taking on a lot more of the production costs. Right. But now here's what's funny. So... Even after they said that, oh, because Sony's even stated, like, we don't need MCU. We've got plenty of material for the next two movies for Spider-Man. We're set. And guys out there, don't worry. This doesn't mean Tom Holland's no longer Spider-Man. Um, Tom Holland was signed by Sony, not Marvel. Right. So it's just worked in our benefit that Marvel and, D- Marvel and Disney came to this. Damn it. Marvel and Sony came to this agreement to use each other's characters back and forth. Yeah. Um, so Tom Holland is still going to be there. Now – are the movies going to be any good? Who knows? I think they will be. I mean, you know, it, 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 there's still a lot of stories that they can tell that can be be good. I mean, I'm well, all I'm saying is is this isn't going to be the cause of Spider-Man story, movies being bad. Right. Well, here's the thing. If, if they're not good, it's not going to be because of this. Well, here's the thing. Even as they announced that that deal between Sony and Disney slash Marvel was dead, they also announced that as of Monday um, this week, Spider-Man Far From Home was now Sony Pictures' highest grossing film ever, which yeah. bypassed um, Skyfall. And a lot of people can argue that, well, 
the reason your movie did so good was because you were able to tie it into the MCU and it wasn't a standalone story. Right. And so, I mean, that, that could be it. But I, 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 you know, this could open some doors, too. We could get Spider-Man in the Venom universe now. And the way someone, it's supposed to be. Someone else mentioned that, too. But and I do have to question, would that movie have been as good and made the money if there wasn't a tie to the MCU? If you think about it, there is very little in Far From Home that ties back to MCU. Right. I think, uh, I mean, Tony Stark and the Iron Spider suit and all that, right? If you take that out, you still have Mysterio. You still have, I mean, you obviously you lose all the Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. connections. That's right. all gone. And the scrolls. So. And all that. Um, now, the first one would have been a completely different movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Homecoming would have been a completely different movie if they didn't have the MCU tie because Iron Man was all over that. All movie. of it, yeah. Right. So that would have been a completely different movie. But I think Far From Home could have been just as good without the MCU. I mean... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just as good. And I don't know how you're good. Well, here's the thing, though. Even if you remove the MCU, then what is the motivation for um, Mysterio? Because remember, you take all... If you don't have an MCU and you don't have Tony Stark, the motivation for Mysterio is out the window. Yeah. But, I mean... You could, I mean, you could fix that though. Absolutely. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, a good writer can fix that. Well, so another but, news, you're going to like this. So one of the stories I always uh, really liked was Why the Last Man. Mm -hmm. um, great story. There is going to be a series coming. I think it's going to be on FXM coming in 2020. But PETA, you know who PETA is? People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Oh, yes. They are upset. Now, now get this. They are upset because they actually used a live capuchin on the set for Why the Last Man. Okay. Now, it's the same capuchin they used for Friends that played Marcel. Marcel. There you go. Okay. Which, ironically, the, the monkey is actually a girl, not a boy. I didn't realize that that monkey was still alive. For whatever reason, I thought that monkey had died. Right. Well, no, the monkey is still alive. There you go. But at, at first, I was like, you know, Peter, come on, get over it. You know, we've it's, it's a monkey. It's not like they're whipping him or anything. Right. But they, they did make a very valid point, and this argument was kind of – swung me to, to their direction. And it said, um, while we've had digital animals, you know, in Aladdin and Dumbo, where, and Dumbo, where they've had, you know, a CGI elephant, there's no need to have an actual monkey. And it says, what this does is it promotes exotic pet ownership, which involves removing baby monkeys from their mother shortly after birth and raising them in deprived conditions. So I see their point is by having a live capuchin and not actually advertising that as a CGI monkey, you are still encouraging the exotic pet market. Well, in all honesty, let's be let's be real here. In 2019, why aren't you just using CGI for animals? Right. I mean, there's really no good reason to. I mean, you don't have to worry about them, you know, doing something off script if you do CGI. You know, this monkey's not going to suddenly start flinging its poop in the middle of a shooting yeah, when yeah, you don't want it to. Yeah, don't do that. Right. Right. I mean, you can, you can completely control what the monkey does with CGI. Exactly. So there's really no reason to not. I mean... Unless it's just going to be that expensive that it's cost prohibitive. Right. You know, there's really no reason to not do the animal as CGI well, anyway. Well, I mean, I think that's at core of the issue is that it's cheaper to right. hire a monkey. But it still probably isn't too cheap to hire a monkey. How's he going to feed his family, this monkey? <laughs> if, he can't, if he can't get a job. And yeah, be, you know, that would be technology taking one more job from a hardworking American monkey. Uh, you yep. know, he's, been, he's grown up in captivity. What are you going to do? Release him to the wild? And right. Get, Torn apart. Well, there. you can always go back to living with Ross. Well, I'm assuming the owner of the monkey is probably feeding him pretty well. I mean, how many seasons did they have that monkey on Friends? I'm, I'm Actually, he was only on for a couple seasons, like one or two. Because remember, they took him off because he was aggressive and biting people and stuff. Uh, yes, but uh, some of the animals make more than the extras, the non-speaking extras on a TV show. Have you? <laughs> so, oh, I know. Oh, I know. But I mean, I, I'm just saying, you know, Marcel really wasn't on as long as you, you thought he was. I don't know. I, I thought don't. he was a bigger deal than what he was, but I I didn't watch that series very much. So I thought it was a good series. I only caught it whenever it was on because of Jennifer Aniston, and I'm not going to say Cor anymore. But Courtney we, Cox and Courtney Cox and, and Courtney Cox. Yeah. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston definitely, but now Jennifer Aniston didn't do it for me. Really? Yeah, I like the neurotic uh, Courtney Cox. <laughs> well, I mean, as far as characters go, yeah, I'll give you. <laughs> Why that, does I'll give that you not that. surprise Courtney me, Cox? <laughs> Courtney Cox's character, you know, Monica, was a lot funnier than than you know. Rachel was. I'll give yeah. you that. But I mean, as far as like pure looks, you know, Jennifer Aniston over, nope. over nope. Uh, Courtney, Courtney Cox, Cox is, is hotter. Jennifer well, Aniston's hotter now. And Phoebe my, gets no love. My, no my wife and I talked about it one time about how when, when Brad Pitt left Jennifer Aniston for, um, 
for Angelina Jolie. Am I one of the few men in America who went, what in the hell are you doing? That's exactly what I told her. I said, I think, I think, you know, I don't know what's going on in their personal life, so I don't know anything about that. But if you talk about just looks and solely looks and nothing but looks, he took a step down leaving Jennifer no, Aniston for Angelina Jolie, in no, my personal opinion. See, mad men like Jolie's DSLs. Yeah. So, all right. Other news. Um, this one I'm actually kind of uh, thrilled about. So, Boom Studios um, has um, announced that James Tenyon the Forbes and Werther Del Adera's, sorry if I done butchered that name. Which you probably did because it sounds like you did. Werther Del Adera. Deli Adera. Anyhow. They had a miniseries coming out called Something That's Killing the Children. They have decided that they are going to just make it a full ongoing series. Yeah. So, again, horror genre coming back really strong in comics, especially since Joe Hill's got the the Coffin Comics line coming from D.C., which I just noticed the solicitations for D.C. in October. Those are going to be start dropping really And Joe, soon. Joe Hill, that's, he's the um, son Stephen of Stephen King's, King's son, correct. Stephen King's son. Okay. Who also wrote um, – and we should actually – Talk about those um, when we get to Halloween again, the um, Lock and Key series, because those are really good. I need to get book three of that. Um, Last week, Marvel Entertainment announced what they have called, and I'm using their quotes here, the next great superhero team, and it's going to be called Doc Justice and the J-Team. Okay. So they announced that last week. Now they have announced that the J-Team has actually been revealed to be the Runaways. Okay. Um, and the Runaways, the storyline is going to start in Runaways issue 25, and I think it goes all the way through issue 27. Apparently, Doc Justice is going to show up in Runaways and recruit them. They haven't revealed who Doc Justice is, ironically, but they have told us that the J-Team is going to be the Runaways. So I can only assume, given the way Marvel works, that after 27 or maybe 28 Runaways, guess what's going to happen? Reboot. Runaways is going to get cut, and we're going to get Doc Justice and the Justice Team number one. Oh, of course we are. Yay. Of course we are. With, with, with multiple covers. 25 right? issue number ones. Don't I, forget about the 25 new issue number ones. I don't know if we'll have 25 issue number oh, yeah. ones. Which, by the way, um, Tommy, um, I was noticing one of the other articles, the uh, star character that premiered in Captain Marvel number eight. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to have to get that because I've seen um, a couple of the of the pictures from issue eight and which issue eight is going to a reprinting, so I'll probably get it when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that star looks an awfully lot like a younger Carol Danvers. Yeah, I thought that too when I read it. So um, I'm trying to figure out what what her what her deal is. She doesn't really appear a whole lot in issue eight, but she kind of shows up to to do some. Well, she's showing up in issue like nine that. again too. Yeah, I haven't got issue nine yet. That's up in my box at flashback. But I got to go get that. I I wouldn't be surprised if this is somehow a a time jumped pre rogue sapped. Captain Marvel. I wouldn't either now that you mention it. I, I did kind of get that. Fe- now that you mention it, yeah, that she does kind of have that feeling. I would agree with you on that. Because I, I, the panel that I saw, she smashes through something like it's paper, mm-hmm. and then she's sitting there flying, and again, the whole Superman pose. And I, I kept looking at it going, this looks like a young Carol Danvers. Yep, I, I will give you that. I read it, mine sealed up, because that book's gotten kind of hot. So Absolutely. So that's why I'm going to have to jump on with, I guess, issue eight and get the reprint. I don't really care about the monetary value as much. I just want to read it. And I would really love to see if my theory plays out. It's a pretty decent read. I, I've enjoyed the series so far. So overall. Now, Kelly Sudaconic's not writing that currently, right? No. Okay. Um, so Isn't she with – I thought she was with um, – She's doing Aquaman. DC. Yeah, she was with Which, with by the way, in the – I think the October solicitations, the first trade paperback of her run for Aquaman is coming out. The hardcover oh, okay. is already out, but the hardcover is a little bit pricey for me. I, I prefer to get the trade paperback. Yeah, so, it saves you a good 10, 15 bucks. Absolutely. So, yep, the first trade of her arc for Aquaman is coming out. So I'll make sure I'll mention that again when it gets closer because I know there's a lot of people like me who didn't jump on when she started that series and want to now because it's gotten such good reviews. And uh, right, currently writing uh, Captain Marvel is Kelly Thompson. Okay. Oh, and, well, that's a, she's another great one. Yeah, so she's doing. She's really killing it there. That's a, that's a, that's a great book. Um, keep in mind, mycomicshop.com has already sold out, so I don't know if Troy has a copy for you of the second printing of issue eight, but online it's already sold Troy, out. Troy, if you're listening, I would like the second print of Captain Marvel 8 dropped in my box, please. Yeah, because that bad boy's already sold out at this does, place online. Does that ever work? You uh, say, do you make a request on the show and then you find it in your box? Not you yet. There? Not yet. No. So I'm, I'm going to have to speak with him. I'm going to speak with him on that Saturday. I'm going to say, hey, man, I need you to listen to my show. A little t- you know, tit for tat here. 
Um, so I have another news item here, but if I tell it to you, it might spoil something for you. So do you want me to spoil it or do you want me to skip it? Yep, go with it. That's what we're all about here. All righty. Awesome. So, you know, Superman 14 was pushed back and, and yanked off the shelf last week because the cover didn't match, right? Right. Well, I just found out uh, that Superman 14, when it comes out, which is going to be the debut of the Legion of Superheroes, you know, before the whole actual Legion of Superheroes millennium, um, it turns out they come back to the past to recruit somebody and they are totally retconning the Legion of Superheroes. They don't come back to recruit Superman. Oh. They come back to recruit um, John Kent, his son. Wow. Okay. Um, and make him, which, which makes, makes sense. Because remember, it was Superboy and the Legion of Legion Superheroes. Of Superheroes yeah. So that's what they're going to do. But the big retcon, and here comes a spoiler. So for you guys out there, earmuffs, you don't want to hear it. It's going to turn out that they asked John Kent to join them because apparently he will be responsible for the formation of the United Planets in the 21st century. So, uh, In the 21st century or the 31st century? We are in the – oh, 31st. It would be 31st century. 31st century. Yeah, but, but, but now hang on. It could easily be 21st century because I figure by the time he's 30 or 40, we're going to be you know earlier into it in mm -hmm. the United Planets. Earth is still in its infancy pretty much as far as starfaring, so that would actually fall right in line. Yeah. When you go up to uh, Flashback this weekend, get me a make, get, tell Troy to get that in my box, Superman 14, when it comes out. Uh, okay. So now he's, he's taking orders from you. Well, right, apparently. Right. Yeah, he's the gopher. Uh, I don't think so. Um, so anyway, yes, back on to this. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about this. There's a bit of sad news here. Um, Arizona comic book fan and collector Robert Letcher is auctioning off his collection of over 600 X-Men comics mm. to pay for his cancer treatments. Oh, damn. Um, now, sadly, he has said that it's pretty much terminal. He, he knows there's not going to be any coming back from this one. It's, it's that advanced. But he doesn't want to saddle his wife and his family with their bills. And he does mm. have insurance and what have you. But this would help um, pay some of the bills down the road. But he did say... Um, he described his collection as, quote, the most comprehensive and highest greatest X-Men collection ever assembled. Um, and they did go on auction Monday. Um, and you can. That's going to get a pretty penny. So he's using New York City based um, ComicConnect.com. So anybody out there who wants to take a bid and help this gentleman and his family deal with uh, what's you know obviously going to be a, a hard time coming, you can go there and bid. Robert, um, sorry to hear about this, brother. Um Bless your heart, and you know. Yeah, definitely. our sympathies go to you and your family. But I'd love to help, but it's going to be way outside right. of my price range. Yeah, right. There's no way I could even come close to affording that. If it if it's 600 issues, starting back with number one. Oh yeah, it's especially if it's high grade stuff. Yeah, it'd be beautiful, but just out of my. So it's one of those things where you would like to just hold it and like and just sit yeah. there and and, and let, okay, just I, kind of bask in its glory for a right. moment. Some of those really high-end books, you find yourself that when you're holding it, suddenly everything locks up. And you're like, I can't let it go. <laughs> see, I remember I remember going to Jeppe's Entertainment Museum the last oh, day they were open and being able to see an Action Comics 1 in person. I'm so bitter. I never made it up there. such a beautiful copy, too. Such a beautiful. It was probably a 7 or an 8. Easy. Oh, wow. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. I remember that episode. And yes, I will surely admit I watched this train wreck, um, Comic Book Men on mm -hmm. AMC. <laughs> and there is an episode where they go to Jeppy's and to his comic book museum and look at it. So here's the thing about that show. It was good when it actually had people come in buying comics and trying to sell comics. Yeah. It was all the other superfluous crap that went on that I could have just done without. Yeah, that was a train wreck. So DC Comics Black Label imprint, um, which, you know, is basically the new Vertigo. Um, adding a new John Constantine Hellblazer series. Here we Ooh. go. We were talking about that not too long ago. Yep. He's going to first make his appearance, I guess, in the Neil Gaiman Sandman Universe one-shot. Um, Sandman Universe presents Hellblazer number one by Simon Spurrier and artist Marco Takara. And I think that's coming out in the end of October. Then there'll be an ongoing by Spurrier and artist, or artist Aaron Campbell. So Good stuff. It's been a long time since we've seen John Constantine. And also, so, you know, when they did that um, dark metal thing, it was established that there is an evil version of the, the Nymph metal from like Hawkworld and what have you. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also, I think we covered this in a couple of weeks ago, they're bringing back the Metal Man. Mm -hmm. So they have confirmed that, yes, one of the Metal Men is going to die as a result of that evil Nymph metal. Oh, okay. So, and which one? Uh, they didn't say. They, they actually didn't tell us who, just that someone is going to bite the dust. 
So, hmm. okay. Well, if a robot can really bite dust. Well, but, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know what you mean. And you know what? I'm, I'm thinking back to days when we didn't know any of this stuff going in. You know, you bought a comic, you read it, and you went, holy crap. There's still some of those moments that happen. Right. Exactly. Or you could not just like read less to... comic book news. Right. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> we could. But you know what? I don't like avoiding the internet. And, and that's the problem. It's, it's hard to stay away from it. Though. Like when I don't see a movie that Thursday when it comes out, and I said, I know I can't see it till the following weekend. Do you know how hard it is to just avoid all social media? Yeah, or, you're right about that. Or even some of your friends. Have you seen such and such? No. And they start talking. You like smack them. I said, no. <laughs> don't do it. Uh, Legion of Superheroes. Yes, it has been confirmed that there is going to be a version of Dr. Fate on the team. Remember, I was showing you that picture of mm -hmm. the whole team and it was a Dr. Fate in it. But Bendis has also said that there's going to be apparently be a gold lantern introduced into it. So I'm really curious to see what a gold lantern's powers and, are going to and be. And still no word on Matter Eater Lad. <laughs> no. But I'm sure he'll be there. I, mean, I hope so. It looks like he's bringing all the classic characters and adding yeah. to the roster. Matter Eater Lad, baby. And I, and I can tell you, Brian Michael Bendis probably grew up on the same comics we did. And, mm -hmm. and he's probably not going to leave Matter Eater Lad out there. Let's I would, hope not. And you know what he's going to do. And I can already see it coming. He's going to resurrect Pharaoh Lad. You know it's coming. Feral Lad is going to be alive and well in his version. There you go. Because remember, this is all rebirth pre fifty uh, post fifty two world, and none of that stuff has happened. Yeah. So, so he can pretty much draw on anyone he wants. Absolutely. All right. So Tommy, I know you have some news items over there. Um, first off, Krypton has been canceled after okay. two seasons. <laughs> so, and the uh, the Lobo project is not going to be moving forward. Um, so. That stinks. And it, you know, I mean, well, it doesn't stink about the Lobo project. I really right. didn't care about that one way or the other. But I did enjoy Krypton season one. Crypt season. Well, here's the great thing about season one of Krypton. It started off horribly slow. Mm -hmm. But if you had patience and you stuck with it, because what they did, they introduced all these individual storylines of all the characters in the families, which you kind of have to do that to establish them. Right. But if you hung with it to around episode four or five, when they all converged, it took off like crazy from yeah. there. Yeah, and I kind of knew when they announced that Lobo was going to be showing up that this was probably going to be the end of the show because yeah, yeah Lobo, Lobo kills everything. Yeah, horrible. And I, when I saw him on there, I was like, I wasn't surprised. I didn't think the actor playing Lobo necessarily did a bad job of playing Lobo because I mean he he got the I thought he got the character pretty well. I just don't like Lobo. Well, well here's the problem, and Madman and us we were talking about this earlier. There's no credible way to do that character on film. You can get away with it in a cartoon, yeah. but in live action, it's just, it's a horrible character. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So that's disappointing. I thought the show had a lot of potential. You know, maybe it'll be picked up by one of the other show, one of the other streaming networks. Maybe that's a possibility, but. Well, it might be picked up by Warner Brothers and their streaming and because I know they're going to leave the stuff on the DC universe, but they might be looking for their own individual properties that they could do. So yeah. I could see them grabbing it. So, and I, I got to say, I really did love at the end of season one. When you watch Superman's cape that Adam Strange had brought back, when it got changed and went black mm -hmm. and had the Zod emblem on it, that was such a great cliffhanger. Yeah, I had high hopes for it. I still have several episodes on my DVR. I haven't haven't watched. Oops, it yet. sorry. <laughs> well, no, no, I, I saw all of season one. Okay, like, I'm saying I'm saying I have several episodes of season two on my DVR. I, I do have several episodes um, of season two that I haven't. I watched haven't as well. made up my mind whether I'm going to watch it or not because I don't know really if I want to get invested into it, knowing it's going to cancel. Right. But so we'll see. It's kind of like just before DC did Flashpoint and announced they were going to reboot everything. Mm -hmm. And like, well, no, why well, am I going to read a storyline if I know that's all just going to get rebooted and swept under the rug? Yeah, I canceled a lot of books right before, right when they announced Flashpoint. Well, I didn't cancel them because unfortunately at the time I had a subscription service. So I was committed to them at that point. Yeah. And in order to cancel, you have to cancel two months out. Yeah. I missed that, the, the final issue of Power Girl because I canceled. I really wish I hadn't done that. Right. So. But anyway, so, I digress. All right. What other news do you have? So this is going to be a great one. I, I think that everybody out there that should, should go out and buy this immediately. No. Jim Cornette presents Behind the Curtain, Real Pro Wrestling Stories. We're going to have a, it's an 80 page graphic novel from IDW featuring appearances by Ric Flair, Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman, Sputnik Monroe, The Sheik, wait, whoa, whoa. Junkyard Dog. Wait, wait, how, wait, wait, wait. wait. Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Laka from Taxi, Andy Kaufman. Yeah, yeah he wrestled. Yeah. He wrestled. I know he wrestled. I understand he got his ass whipped, too. <laughs> mm, he no was the intergender champion of the world, my yeah. man. <laughs> he won a yeah, lot. he won a lot. He beat a, you know, he, he beat a lot of, of female wrestlers. Didn't he also get, didn't he also seriously get a neck injury in one of his matches? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
him and him and uh, him and Jerry Lawler had that thing going. That I know most of that, but that's probably going to be a great great storyline. Uh, the fabulous Freebirds, the Midnight Express, Bret Hart, and Shawn Michaels. So that is going to be amazing. And if any of you have listened to Jim Cornette's podcast, he doesn't hold anything back. Oh my so god! So I'm sure this is not going to be holding anything back either. Looking forward to this. I guess you listened to that podcast. Absolutely. Oh my god! Wow. Um, Another good one before we get let uh, Randy get in here. Let me get in here and go out. Go ahead and talk about some of the other. Let me find it here. Hold on. Where I, I know all of two listeners that'll be buying that comic, and they're both on this podcast. It's probably going to be a lot bigger. <laughs> you and yourself as a listener. Yourself. <laughs> so, American Mythology is putting out The Land That Time Forgot, 1975, number one, written by Marv Wolfen. Wolfman. That looks pretty intriguing. So, hang on. Is that based on the. The, the cartoon or the Edgar Rice Burroughs? Uh, looks like when looks like it's gonna be uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs film, The Land That Time. Okay, see now that I can get behind in theaters. Tyler Bowen is lost in a world of prehistoric terrors and creatures of legend, but he's not alone. For a submarine of German soldiers has also become stranded here, bringing modern monsters into the, into the primeval world. The incredible story he has collected here in black and white for the first time in over four decades. Cover price three ninety nine. Oh, so that's one of the class. You know what I? You know my Marv Wolfman. Don't you think reminded you can go wrong me. with that. You, hey, you reminded Enos, me. I want is in the is in the chat YouTube chat. Hey, Enos, you're gonna buy that. Uh... You're gonna buy that Jim Cornette book, aren't you? Yeah, of course he is. So you reminded me, and I think Gold Key did this. I'm gonna go look for it. I want the Land of the Lost series with like, like Will and Marshall done. and Holly and the Slee Stacks. And I used to love that TV show. I bet there's a comic. And there. and that had such great special effects too. That TV show. <laughs> well, oh my God, was this amazing? I mean, for the time, if nothing else. But well, now, yeah, that's so much. It was obviously a stop motion uh, dinosaur yeah. that always chased them. But. Beautiful. But that was one of my go to's on Saturday morning, man. Because, of course, it was. All right. So that's all the news we have. Are we ready to do show and tell? Yeah. Did you have any new books you wanted to go over other than that? Or um, we went over? No? I didn't actually take note of the new books. I yeah, think I didn't see a whole lot. Other I than think the, Ghost Spider number one was coming out today. Oh, oh okay. crap balls. That does remind me, though. Um, Brian Vaughn and Fiona Staples Saga, mm-hmm. the Compendium 1 hardback, which was supposed to be coming out, I think, in like September. Image pushed it up and dropped it today. Wow. Okay. Big surprise there. So everyone who- That's supposed to be a great series. I haven't read it, but I've, I've heard a lot of good things. I've read the first trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I didn't really care for it. I think I might still have it. But for anyone who's wanting to jump on that series and read it, because remember, they're taking a bit of a break. Um, because it's only going to be like 108 issues. So this is at the halfway point. Yeah. Uh, so they said they were going to take a little break. I think we even mentioned this a while back. We did a few, uh, several shows back. But the compendium is got released early. So it's after today. Um, it is hardcover. So you're going to pay a bit for it. But those of you who've been wanting to read Saga now have your opportunity to get out there and pick it up. Yep. Definitely. Okay, dokie. Show intel time. Show intel time. Let's do this. All right. Yo. So we're going to get to Tommy's books first. Um, the first one we have here, dun da da and I will admit I actually read this series too, um, so this is a great book. I've been wanting to go back and get this. So before Guardians of the Galaxy movie with Star-Lord and Nebula and all of them, there was Guardians of the Galaxy that was released in the – I get wow, probably early 80s, right? That's, Mid-80s? That's early 90s. Early 90s? That's not, I want to say, say that's 91. But it was a much, much different team. In this fact, is, this is based on the team that was came out in the 60s. This is a team that when they first announced the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, this one popped in my mind. Yeah. And right. I was like, really? And and I had the same reaction. I'm thinking, how's that going to work? Nobody knows those characters. Yeah, right. and, and I didn't realize at the time that there was a whole other Guardians book because I wasn't reading it, honestly. Yeah. And I wasn't looking on the shelf for it. And I wasn't keeping up with it. Although I would love to see an animated series of this. Yeah, I think that would be really good. So, just so you know, the the bi- starting from left, the big guy is Charlie Twenty Seven. The middle is Starhawk, Alita. Then we I, got got along. Well, hang on. You know the characters. Why don't you point them out? Because okay, I don't remember their names. So, hand them the book. Hand me the book. I got two cameras here for our listeners. All right, can we get a good the camera? See the camera right <laughs> oh, in front of me. Right in front of me. So we're gonna we're start right here. That's Charlie Twenty Seven. All right. Uh, the middle is Starhawk. This is Alita. And down along the bottom, we have, starting over at the left, we have Martin X, Nikki, Yondu, and Vance Astro. Cool. And Yondu was much different back then than to what they turned him into. Right. And I think that their explanation for the current term um, Yondu was, is that 
this is an ancestor of this Yandu because this this story takes place in the thirty fifth century. I want to say. Yeah, it's 30, way out there. Yeah, it's way out there. It's like now, isn't just a series where Vance Astro eventually gets Captain America's shield as well? Yes, this okay. this starts the the quest for Captain America's shield, and he eventually becomes mate goes from being Vance Astro to Major Victory. Awesome. Yeah. Tommy's next book here. Oh, this is one of my personal favorites. I, I got to tell you, I can never get behind this book. Just the concept that's, itself. Just that's because uh, you were too old. Probably. <laughs> I um, mean, I'm not saying that to be smart, but but you th- know this what? book came out when I was like 14. So you would have been what 24? New Warriors number one. <laughs> Look at that. There you go. And if I'm wrong, it doesn't doesn't Marvel Boy here become Vance Astro later? No. Okay, that I'm, is, wrong. I'm wrong. What? What? Wrong, that, wrong. 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 Well, you're not completely wrong. Wrong. wrong For wrong, our listeners, wrong. this is New Warriors number one. <laughs> this is New Warriors number one. Marvel Boy is Vance Astro, but what happens is the one from the thirty-something century comes back to the past and awakens his his uh, mutant power early, causing a divergent timeline. So he never goes into space like the one from guardians of the galaxy does. So this Marvel boy is, is Vance Astro, but he's a Vance Astro from a different timeline and he never becomes the guardians of the galaxy. Version. I love how they're busting out of a bunch of comics that are better than theirs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Isn't that fantastic? But, but yeah, these books were pretty special to me because I was, I was young when they both came out and you know, they, they were great reads, you know, especially that one right there because they, the heroes were in my age group. Well, yeah. Kid Nova. I liked speedball. I liked and uh Yeah. And uh, Night Thrasher. Night Thrasher was great. Um, you know, so they were in my age group. And these these are two of the first books I've ever bought for cover price that actually appreciated in price. Remember when they were So they were pretty good. Oh, yeah. That's the well, dollar book. I will give New Warriors or props for something. They are the team that fired off the whole Civil War story arc and mm-hmm. the Superhuman Registration Act story. Yeah. Speedball down there and, and the, on the bottom later becomes Penance. By the way, also for my friends out there who might be listening to this and those of you who aren't, I'm going to pester you about this when I get to Dragon Con next week. I'm bringing back this Guardians of the Galaxy up here because I want to see this cosplay group. My friend George Lewis has already done Yondu here. I want to see the rest of the group. So, in fact, I'm going to mention that. Who can I be? I could be Charlie 27. Uh, right. Yes, because you definitely got that size going <laughs> with those guns you got going. So, the book that I brought in, since we were talking about Crisis on Infinite Earths last week, and we're going to pick up and talk about Infinite Crisis today, I went ahead and brought in Crisis on Infinite Earths number eight, and it is The Death of Barry Allen Flash, and it's a graded copy, so it's a 9.4. That's a pretty book. Um, I actually, I bought this from a a vendor that I see every year down at my con, and uh, he had this on his shelf, and I'm thinking, okay, I need to have that book. Yeah. So Got him holding on to uh, Psycho Pirate's body there. Yeah. This is the book that broke Randy. (laughs) This was the one when I realized that Barry Allen was dead and wasn't coming back, and I actually started sniffering at the end going- You you weep? And I went, wait a minute, you you can't kill Flash. Did you talk about this on our uh, comics that made us cry episode? Yes, I, yeah, I do believe this yeah, is the one. Did. Yeah, this is the one where I sit no, there, set the book Barry. down, and my mom's like, "What's wrong?" And I'm thinking they killed Flash, and I'm sure she's like, "What the hell is wrong with this kid? A comic book character died, and he's about to go wall weepy on me." Uh, <laughs> and so let's get to Madman's book. Madman has made it his personal mission to just embarrass the hell out of us. So, keeping with his theme, Justice League number fifty. Two. Look at that bad boy. What a great book that is. Yep. Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Hawkman, Superman, Batman, all on the cover. Yep. The world's finest on the cover. Yes, indeed. I love that ridiculous uh That robot. ridiculous robot? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it all, and the, the conversation, you know, the, my mightiest punches can't even put a dent in this <laughs> colossal c- cube creature, Superman says. And Batman says, keep up the barrage, Superman. You're showing me where its weakness is. So it reminded me of this uh, commentator named uh, back in the day, late 90s, I think, named Sean Baby, who uh, did this commentary about comic books and Super Friends. And he did this thing about Super Friends and has a the Super Friends are a tight. Uh, these uh, they have their they're fighting these giant ice monsters. Right. And Superman's got his heat vision and he's just melting. Guy. One, two, three, four, five. And Batman says to Robin, Robin, go over there. Go. We'll throw this over the tree and we'll go create a lariat. And, you know, we'll catch them one and we'll knock it down. And Superman says, 47, 48, 49, 50. <laughs> and Batman and Robin, you're taking forever just to take one of these things out. And it just it reminds me. It's like Batman. Batman's basically just waiting for Superman to finish it. There you go. This is, this is awesome. It's a pretty book. book, dude. Pretty book. Yeah, it's not in the best condition, but it is pretty good. 
The colors, well, colors are still well, well, let's be honest, too. Yeah, it's very bright. Early Justice Leagues, early Avengers, early Fantastic Four, they are all starting to get to the point where you just buy whatever condition you find yeah. <laughs> because they're getting that rare. All righty, that is our show and tell. Um, by the way, for you listeners out there who didn't see anything, we broadcast this on YouTube every week as well. So you're going to want to start catching the YouTube feed to see some of these great books that we're bringing in. Um, and also, when we talk about our subjects for the week, I have like trade paperback of what we'll be discussing here. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break for um, advertiser, our sponsorship. There we go. I'll get this out. Madman to pay the bills, Randy. Madman to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Lost in the Long Box is sponsored by Flashback Comics, located out of Woodbridge, Virginia. And they have tons of new comics, back issues, trade paperbacks, toys, and statues. They are located in Woodbridge at 3112 PS Business Drive, just off of Smoketown Road. They are open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. And on Sundays, they're open from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Be sure to tell Troy that Lost in the Long Box sent you. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Madman. So last week we talked about Crisis on Infinite Earth. Um, It was a great series which pretty much changed everything about the way DC operated. Um, It changed their storylines. It changed the way they wrote their stories. They started doing a little more adult stories. Now, obviously, they were doing more adult stories to begin with. I mean, Teen Titans was already hitting it out the park to begin with. Right. But a lot of their other books just still weren't quite hitting the mark. So when Marv Wolfman and George Press did that, it was also a way to send notice to the writers and editors of the other books, up your game. Yeah. Um, and it stayed that way for probably a good 20 years. And then as the 20th anniversary of Crisis on Infinite Earth approached, Dan DiDito and the staff said, well, we know we obviously got to pay homage to that series because so much of what DC became um, is still around. But how do we do it? And At first, there had been a pitch to maybe do a Crisis 2, and they did say that several pitches had been made over the years, and they had all been rejected. Mm -hmm. And then finally enter Jeff Johns, who, by the way, Jeff Johns has done some amazing work at DC. I think he single-handedly saved the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, I I don't think that that's an opinion. I think that's a fact. Right. Um, So Jeff Johns, along with artist Phil um, Jimenez, and some help from George Perez and Jerry Ordway and, and Ivan Rice and Andy Lanning, gave us... Infinite Crisis, the follow-up to Crisis. Why do I always do that? The follow-up to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yep. Um, fantastic book. And I and I tell you what was really um, great about this is the DC universe gets noticeably darker after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. Um, and when this book came out, so much had already happened in the DC universe when this came along. For instance. The Death of Superman storyline had taken place before this. Wonder Woman had murdered Maxwell Lord. And I was getting, well, that leads to this. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole Bane breaking Batman's back had happened to this. I want to say the death of Robin came yeah. after oh, yeah. this as well. Yeah. Um, so not only had a lot of darkness shown up in the DC universe, and I know there's some that I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but also they did it a little bit differently. They had four miniseries that, that set this up. And a one-shot special, because remember, there was Countdown to Infinite mm. Crisis. Correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, Jason Todd did die before this. Didn't this what brought Jason Todd back? No. Well, Jason... I mean, he came back in the Hush storyline, but didn't right. he come back because of the events of Infinite Crisis, why he was able to come back? Yes, exactly. In Infinite Crisis sets up why he comes back, because suddenly, because remember, the multiverse is back for a brief moment, and he wakes up on an Earth going, what's going on? Where am I at? Right. So, uh, um, and... Derailed my train of thought. But anyway, there was four miniseries that were set up before this. There was the Rand-Thanagar War, which is, you know, Thanagar being the Hawk people and Rand being Adam Strange and Mm -hmm. Alana and all of them. There was the Villains United. There was the OMAC Project. And there was, shoot, uh, Day of Judgment, right? Avengers Day of Judgment? Yes. So here was what was funny. All of those titles... um, were four issues miniseries and they led directly into what happened here because the Rand Thanagar war um, is actually revisited as the center of the universe gets changed in this storyline. The villains united, uh, you actually find out that the Lex Luthor net who's running the show is not the Lex we think it is. And I'll get to that in a moment. And same thing with uh, the day of vengeance, because remember Spectre dies in the storyline and they had to resurrect him. Mm-hmm. 
So a lot of great things had happened with this storyline that led up to this book. So, um, Tommy, what are your thoughts on this? I thought it was a great comeback. I mean, I think, you know, it it was probably long overdue. Um, You know, it came in 2005. It was a sequel to a story from 1985. Right. Well, it was a 20-year anniversary, so that's... Right. So, I mean, it, it, you know, it it, it gave us the multiverse back. Um, Yeah. I mean, it was a fantastic story. So... One of the things that was really great in this, because this, again, takes place after the death of Superman. Right. Okay. And after that whole storyline. Right. After he's death and, and return, funeral for a friend, all that. And one of the previous storylines, the Watchtower, which is, uh, i.e. the Justice League satellite headquarters, got destroyed. Yeah. So Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman meet on the, the satellite to discuss about, you know, trying to figure out what's going on, why, why is this happening? Now- Prior to that, everyone remembered the great Maxwell Lord mm-hmm. back in the comic days or the comedy days of the Justice League. Mm-hmm. He was the Justice League's benefactor, and he was really just like their face man. He ran the money, told him, hey, we got a mission to go here. We're yeah, being paid a lot of money. Yeah. Right. And that's all he really was. Well, you find out that he actually had a very strong hidden superpower. He was basically a telepath. Mm-hmm. And he gets control of Superman, and he's running Superman. So... Superman starts having hallucinations. One of the ones that he has is he starts seeing Doomsday everywhere, of course, the creature that killed him. Right. In one of these instances, he sees Batman as Doomsday and is basically beating the tar out of them, almost kills Batman because all he sees is Doomsday. Well, Wonder Woman finds out who's doing it. She realizes that Maxwell Lord is now the one running the show. And in the crisis on Infinite Earth or the countdown to Infinite Crisis, Blue Beetle has figured out that, hey, there's something going on. We're being played, and I know who's doing it. Well, Maxwell Lord kills him to keep him quiet. So this also leads to the death of Ted Cord, the original Blue Beetle. Yeah, that was sad. Yeah. Well, I did like Ted. Well, and here was what was really sad about that storyline. He went to all the heavy hitters and said, hey, says, we got a problem. I don't think Maxwell Lord is the good guy he says he is, and no one believes him until he's dead. And they're all like, why don't we listen to him? Right. You know, Ted was on to something. We all basically dismissed him. Right. And I mean, you know, he, he was kind of a goofy guy, so maybe that's probably why. I mean, but still. Right. But Wonder Woman tracks down Superman, who has now um, crashed into the OMAX satellite, which is a whole nother storyline in itself, and finds that there's Maxwell Lord running the OMAC project that Batman had set up originally. And he's got his mind control Superman there, and Superman and Wonder Woman are getting into it. And the same type of thing, because he's Superman. He's basically about to kill Wonder Woman. She's holding her own, but it's not going to be for long. Right. So there's one brief moment when she takes off Tiara, she flings it and hits Superman in the head and stuns him for like all of like maybe five seconds. And she grabs Maxwell Lord and says, you need to release him now. And he goes, sorry, princess, I can't do that. And he straight up tells her, I've got the world's most powerful weapon at my disposal and I'm not going to let it go. He goes, you're going to have to kill me to get rid of control of him. And she's like, so be it. And she snaps his neck. Unbeknownst to her, he's recording all this, but only recording. He's not giving any audio, and he feeds it to the whole world, and everyone sees Wonder Woman snap his neck with no audio. So they don't know that she's saved the world and and freed Superman. They just see a cold-blooded killer. And so this picks up with them meeting on a satellite, and they're talking about, you know, the world's in a shambles, the satellite's been destroyed, and Batman even tells Wonder Woman, you don't belong here Mm -hmm. uh, because she's murdering. But the part that's just kind of really cold in this is when they're talking about how people have lost their way and there's no faith and Batman's even telling them, well, you're fine when to talk. You could be inspiring people. You are, you know, the greatest hero. You could be leading the planet. And he goes, let's face it. The last time you inspired anyone, you were dead. Oh, yeah. burn. burn. Right. And that's burn. just, I mean, such a classic line. So Batman. Yes. <laughs> but what the reason we get to all this is through all those miniseries, you find out that in the little pocket universe, Alexander Luther from Earth 3, the Earth 2 Superman, the Earth 2 Lois Lane, and the Superboy Prime from Earth Prime, who we saw 20 years ago in a little pocket universe at the end of Crisis, have been watching all the events of this new world play out. And this is one of the things I really like, because I really, really liked what they did with Superboy Prime in this series and later on. I originally when i first heard the concept behind superboy prime is that he was basically from our earth right whether no, the, no where there were no superheroes and he was the only superpower being i was like that is the stupidest thing i've ever heard <laughs> i mean i understand but, he came out in like you know like the late silver age early you know bronze age and they were 
but I was like, that's just dumb. Well, no, they resurrect him, I think, in DC Comics Presents 87, because they retell his story. Yeah, but that's just that's just not. In no. fact, I want to say his new origin is tied directly to Crisis on Infinite Earths, that as it was being destroyed, he somehow gets his powers of Superman. I would have to go look it up. Don't hold it. Hold me on it. But I know his origin gets redone in the late in the early mid-80s. But anyway, so... Our four heroes, and actually three, because you find out that the lowest lane from Earth 2 is dying. It's basically just old age. They are watching all these events transpire on Earth. Now, remember, we've gotten the death of Superman and his resurrection. We've seen the breaking of Batman's back. We've seen the death of Jason Todd. They've also seen Wonder Woman has killed a man. They have also seen the OMAC project. The OMAC project, which ties directly into this, turns out to be a satellite that Batman built to spy on all the other heroes. Mm -hmm. right. uh, and his whole premise was he was doing it in protection of the Earth in case anyone ever got to the point that no one could stop him. He needed to have all the information to do so. Well, he loses control of it, and guess who gets it? Maxwell Lord. Mm -hmm. um, and so the OMAC robots are destroying everything. So our three heroes from Crisis on Infinite Earths, Superman from Earth 2, Alexander Luther from Earth 3, and Superboy Prime are watching all this unfold, and they go, we saved the wrong earth. Yeah. And, and that's, and I think that takes place in the very first issue. And that's just such a powerful moment. Right. They, they feel like we, they should have saved earth too. Right. Exactly. Um, but what you find out is Alexander Luther and Superboy have secretly been making excursions to earth, earth one or the only, the only earth, earth yeah. all this time and have kept Superman from earth two in the dark. Um, they tell him, we're going to save Earth 2, we're going to bring it back, we're going to restore what should have been, when the actual plan is, I'm going to bring back all the Earths, and we're going to find the one that needs to be brought back. They sell this to Superman by telling him that once we bring back Earth 2, Lois will live. Right, you know, right. Once we bring back her Earth, that'll save her. And it's just such a, I mean, such a great, powerful read. Well, and I guess, you know, in, in his Superman, or Earth 2 Superman's defense, you know, when you're in love and you're desperate to find something that would save your wife's life, you'll believe pretty much anything right because if you think about it you know bringing back a, a, a universe is not going to cure old age right i mean it's just not well and what's really great is this you find out Although comics as you're reading through the storyline this was so beautifully crafted by jeff johns i mean and i was telling tommy earlier i th i think i may actually like this better than crisis on infinite earth i mean i know that was a groundbreaking uh, storyline, but I, I'm really digging this because I haven't read it in a while. Yeah, I don't think I've read it since it first came out, and I was rereading it this week, and I was like, "Damn, this was good." Oh, it was great. <laughs> I, I, it was great. I think I still, I still think I'm still partial to Crisis on Infinite Earths personally because it was just it was a bigger tale and everything, and it right. was more like you said, it was it was completely revolutionary for its time. So, but this was definitely yeah. the second best. Do you have this trade? I did at one point. I don't you should know if go I back and reread it because. Just like there was a lot of characters that got killed in Crisis, there's a lot that are buying it in this one as well. Mm -hmm. there, there are moments when you go, oh, damn. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. I have a list here. Yeah, because I know uh, half the Freedom Fighters go. Yep. And I, I want to say the the original Earth 2 Wonder Woman mm -hmm. um, she, dies she in this. Yeah. Uh, but the part that's really – one of the things that's really great in this also is one of the characters that – survived at the end of crisis of infinite earths was power girl yes. who had no history because in no earth the irony here there was no earth two superman there was no rocket there was no krypton but suddenly you had an earth two version of supergirl on the one world with both superman and supergirl and no one remembered if she had no past she was just an anomaly there so the earth two superman when he goes back to this earth the first person he seeks out is his kara and she mm -hmm. doesn't remember him she goes, I know Superman, but you're not the one I know. Yeah, because he's the older version. Right. So he takes her back to the little pocket universe where she sees the Lois there. And when she touches Lois, Lois's hand, all of her memories come flashing back. So suddenly this, this physical contact is the conduit that reboots her memory. And then that's when she's told by Alexander Luther, Superboy, and Superman, we want to bring back the correct Earth. Will you help us? And at first she's like, well, you know, why don't we just talk to all the other heroes? We can work this out. And this is when you find out that Alexander Luther has been sneaking to Earth already, masquerading as that Lex Luther. And Superboy has also been breaking into the universe. First thing he does, Superboy Prime, is he goes and he finds the remains of the Anti-Monitor and brings it to Alexander Luther, yeah. who stands up this brand new 
tower to set it all up. Meanwhile, Alexander Luther, in the guise of Lex Luther, is recruiting all the villains that he needs to power it. And that's when she finds out that Power Girl finds out that, well, we've been lying to her. You know, we're actually going to bring back all the Earth. We just kind of wanted you on our side. But if we can't have you, then we'll just throw you in a machine because we need you to power it. Uh, yep. So, yes, go ahead. Yeah, no, I would continue. So what happens is, as this is all happening, Superboy of Earth. Earth Prime also has his own agenda. He wants to be the one true Superboy because he doesn't believe in Connor Kent as Superboy. So there's a great scene where he flies to Earth after Alexander Luther's got everybody set up in his machine. He's about to open a rift to uh, bring back Earth 2 and all the other Earths. And Superboy Prime flies back to Earth and confronts Connor Kent and says, you know, what are you doing? You're not Superboy. You don't deserve to be. You're just sitting here in this farmhouse while everything around you is going to hell. And a huge fight ensues, which breaks out like all the Teen Titans at Justice League, which ends up being Flash, Jay Garrick, Barry Allen Flash, and the Bart um, Allen kid Flash have now got a hold of Superboy. They're fighting him because he accidentally kills Panther in this. So that's another one. The Teen Titans are fighting, and he's like, why are you hitting me? I'm not a bad guy. And he shrugs off Panther and, and basically decapitates her. Mm. And he goes, I didn't mean to do that. You guys made me do that. Such a great battle scene. And what ends up happening is the Bart Allen Flash is the only one who gets left because Jay Garrick slows down. He can't do it. Wally West actually disappears. Him, he disappears. Linda Park and the twins disappear. So that's the first time we actually see um, Don and Iris, his kids, in this too. So there's a lot of great characters that were established that are suddenly wiped out or changed in this storyline. I'm telling you, man. This I is, like this scene right here where Crypto takes a bite out of Superboy. Right. Time. That's great, and I and I really I'm really starting to believe this is better than Crisis on Infinite Earths. Not taking anything away from Wolfman Perez, but this book just has it, man. Because Bart Allen ends up taking Superboy Prime into the Speed Force, and we think he's gone, right? But he's not. Meanwhile, um, Alexander Luther is successful. He brings back Earth Two, and Superman from Earth Two shows up with Lois, and they're outside the Daily Star. But ironically, as he's standing there. You start to realize there's no people there. It's just them. Yeah, it's just a, a blank earth with no nobody right. living on it. And then she dies anyway. Right. And when because she, you, right. Father Time is undefeated. Right, exactly. Okay. But what's happened is, is when he dies, it's just like that scene out of Superman the movie. He's holding her and he screams out, you know, Lois as loud as he can, you know, his, his super vocals. And Superman on Earth 1 hears it. And he flies to Earth, too, to try and comfort him. And immediately he's like, you did this. You killed my wife. He goes, you brought the corruption here. Because now Superman on Earth, too, has fully bought into Alexander Luther and Superboy's theory that all the heroes they say have corrupted and that they are not the true heroes they should have been. And we have this great – I don't know if you can see how well you can see it here. Let me put it over here to this one. This great homage here of uh, Superman. Of Action Comics 1. No, the, uh, oh. this is one where, where Superman's holding Lois Lane's dead body from which was this Crisis on Infinite Earths, the one where Supergirl. Where he's holding Supergirl. Well, no, Supergirl. there's even better one in here because right after Superman from Earth 1 shows up and he says, you did this, you killed my wife. He goes, you brought the corruption here. We straight up cover swipe Action Comics 1 this oh, yeah. time with Superman picking up the green car and smashing the other Superman. Nice. So fantastic story. A lot and of good Easter eggs in there. Absolutely. And while this is all happening, Wonder Woman um, is defending Paradise Island Themyscira because you find out that the Omax have all bonded together and they're now going after Wonder Woman because she's a murderer and she represents, you know, um, the corruption because the Omax are now programmed to basically wipe out all the corruption and, and have justice be served or what have you. So this is also the storyline, which plays out for quite a while afterwards. They can't defeat them on Themyscira. And she tells them, you all need to leave, leave man's world, take Themyscira and all the Amazons and go out of here, basically lead the earth and phase shift out. And that's when they disappear. And this sets up the storyline of her being the only Amazon left on earth. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, a lot of great stuff in this. Oh yeah. And, and you know, this is, this got us, Brought us a lot of great stories afterwards too. Um, the one year later, the New Fifty Two, right? 
you know, the, the mini series, well, well maxi series 52. Well, new 52 came about because of, yeah, I, 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 I misspoke on that. I meant the 52 maxi series, the 52 weekly series, oh, which right, was great, exactly. which was great, which really established booster gold as a bona fide hero. Well, and, and here's what's funny. Booster gold shows up with skeets in this mm -hmm. and it's the booster gold from the future because you actually see a current version of booster gold within, in this book, doing the fight against um in space because there's now a rift in space where oa should be mm -hmm. because the center of the universe has changed and yet as that's happening another booster from the future shows up with skeet and he's looking for the the blue scarab of ted cord yeah and this is where we get the first appearance of jimmy jimmy race who becomes the new blue beetle <laughs> and he tells batman he shows up says listen this kid is the key to defeating um alexander luther you need him you need that scarab so, again, great stuff. And I got derailed. There was something else that happens. Oh, so I found it funny when rereading this. Um, and for those of you out there who are currently reading the whole storyline with Lex Luthor and the Justice League and Perpetua and Anti-Monitor and Monitor and resurrecting them, this is almost a precursor to that. There's things happening in this book that I can see being mirrored in that storyline now. Mm -hmm. So I would actually hardly recommend reading both of them, read Crisis on Infinite Earths and read um, Infinite Crisis as well. Fantastic. Yeah, this was great. And we we had a great scene at the end where they uh, where they kill off out the Alexander Luther of Earth 3. Uh, yes. Yeah, that was great when uh, it was uh, Luther and the Joker that took him out. Yes. Because who else would be? Well, and not to mention, too, this doesn't end on a happy note. No. Now, they still bring back, uh, they merge all the Earths and, and we still have the one universe. But they do start setting up 52. Actually, this does bring back the multiverse. Because it does 50... bring back the multiverse. But if I remember correctly, all the Earths were identical until later when Mr. Mind took a bite out of the multiverse. Right, because 52, the, the weekly, sets up the fact that we now are finding out that there's a multiverse because they still don't know themselves yet. Right. But the great thing about this is Superboy Prime gets set up as a major villain for the next five to ten years in DC history. Oh, yeah, that scene with him and, and the uh... – and the Owen prison. Well, yeah, it's exactly how it ends because oh, yeah, with where where he's carved the S into his into the green his chest. the Green Lanterns take him and they basically bury him, bury him in the heart of a red sun and he turns around and burns an S on his chest. I've got out of better prisons than this. Yes, and that's the way it ends. It ends on a happy note, but you know that, that he's Superboy be Prime back. is set up to be a major villain, and it, and it's funny because this character who kind of really started off lame oh, becomes a major player in this book. Which is, you know, like we've said before, the, the right writer can do wonders for a character. Well, it just shows you how fantastic a writer Jeff Johns is. Right, because, you know, this is a character that was lame, but he saw potential in it and turned him into a great villain. Right. And, and it's funny because George Perez is not the main artist on this. He actually did um, fill-in art for, I, I guess, to help. Didn't he do deadlines. some of the covers, too? Yes, he did. And and this is one of those things. It had like two covers for each issue, which I was okay with that. Yeah. Because some of them were better. But so anyway, guys, if you listened last week, Crisis on Infinite Earths, go ahead, pick that book up. I hardly recommend you read it. And then immediately, immediately follow it up with Infinite Crisis. In fact, when you go to your store, your comic shop, just buy them both off the, the rack right there. If they don't have them both, tell them, order them for me and, and read them both when they come in. Madman, I'm going to leave this with you. you. You need to read this. Thank yeah. you. Great story. All right, so that's about all the time that we had. Tommy, you got anything else you want to say on Crisis on Infinite Earth and Infinite Crisis? I think we about covered it all. I think what we need to do for one of our Patreon videos, we actually need to sit down with both of them mm -hmm. and go through the actual storyline um, and talk about what's happening on this page, what happens on that page, because there are so so many events that I don't even I don't think I even touched on on this. Oh yeah, there's there yeah we we gave gave the the best synopsis of the story, but there's a right. lot that was left out. And it's and it's funny. I, and I, I'm sorry, guys. I know I didn't give a great synopsis, but that's because there's so much happening in here. Yeah, we it's, basically were able to hit the high points, but that was about it. Right. So before we go, just want to make sure that um, you pay a. Uh, Visit to our other podcasts. Uh, Mad Men's got Shock Monkey Radio every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Uh, we also have our Facebook pages, um, Batman, Yesterday, Today, Forever, and the Realm of Superheroes, Pop Comics, and Pop Culture. Um, you can check us out on uh, Facebook, obviously, facebook.com slash Lost in the Long Box. We do have a Patreon, patreon.com, Lost in the Long Box. Appreciate you went by and showed us a little love. And you can email us, lostinalongbox at gmail.com. We actually do read and reply to those. I don't get them 
quite as fast as I would like to, but you know, the things happen. I, and I do apologize again to our friend Gregory who emailed me and then I, for like a week and a half, totally forgot the email was out there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry that, about that guys. We do have regular nine to five. So, you know, well, as much as we'd love to do this for a living. I found out because Gregory then messaged us on Facebook and I went, oh, crap. <laughs> so, all right, guys, that's it. I don't have any witties um, until next time to take us out. I'm going to start writing those things up in advance and just have a whole list of them like Stanley cameos. So it's celebration of Jim Cornette's new uh, graphic novel. I'll go ahead and take us out with Lost in Lombok. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Wow. Okay. <laughs>